Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps and encourages you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, if you would turn your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're, we're moving out of, of culture, like I mentioned last week. We kind of closed it out with silence. And however, this can kind of dovetail in with it a little bit. Um, I think it's, it's necessary for, for this conversation uh, because it's easy to look at the world and become hopeless, right? It is easy to look out and be like, yeah, there's no future. There's no point in me doing anything because it's just hope, it's hopeless. And that's where we really tend to, you know, go down in our faith. It begins to affect us in a lot of different areas in our lives. And so uh, this morning I felt like for the next four or five weeks to share on this and to help raise your spirits, to be able to, to help you see from a, an eternal perspective uh, something that God is wanting to do in the natural. And uh, so if you would turn your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm going to read 6, chapter 6, or verse 6 through 10, and then we will pray. Y'all thought I was reading six verse, chapters, huh? You were like, dear Lord. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6. It says this. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, so if you would, read it along with me up here. And I just like the verbiage that it says, the way that it kind of translates it. Again, this is a translation, so don't, don't think I'm in heresy or anything. If troubles weigh us down, that just means that we will receive even more comfort to pass on to you for your deliverance. For the comfort pouring into us empowers us to bring comfort to you. And with this comfort upholding you, you can endure victoriously the same suffering that we experience. Now our hope for you is unshakable. Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in God's comforting strength. Brothers and sisters, you need to know about the severe trials we experienced while we were in western Turkey. All of the hardships we passed through crushed us beyond our ability to endure. And we were so completely overwhelmed that we were about to give up entirely. Anybody ever been there? It felt like we had death sentence written upon our hearts and we still feel it to this day. It has taught us to lose all faith in ourselves and to place all our trust in the God who raises the dead. Verse 10, he has rescued us from the terrifying encounters with death and now we fasten our hopes, right there it is, on him to continue to deliver us from death yet again. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are a deliverer, that you are a God of resurrection, God, that you are a God that we can put our hope in, Lord, that you are, while we may be in the midst of a culture and a world that doesn't like you, that doesn't agree with you being who you are, Father, I thank you that we as believers find our hope and our strength in you, Lord, that while we may go through trials, God, I thank you that in that we would build our faith and our hope in you, and God, as that happens, God, we would confidently live out our lives to make you more famous today than yesterday. Come on, if you believe that, you can say amen. So, so this morning, the sermon title, and really this whole series is gonna be called Hopeology, the study of hope. Because I believe that, that many of us have lost hope in, even in the fact that, that people can change, that people can be good, that people, that, that God can do something in certain situations. And when we lose hope, 
we, 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 we really tend to give up in, in whatever that is. And many of us have given up on God because we've lost hope in a, in a situation. Now, we would not want to admit that, but the reality is, is we've lost hope that God is capable of coming through and doing something. Now, here is the, the caveat to hope, or, or we all have a perception of what hope is, right? It's like, I hope for this car. I hope for that Chick-fil-A would be open on Sunday. I hope that, right? Like we have these hopes, but y'all got to catch this. As I begin to study out hope, every scripture in the Bible referring to hope, has, it is directly connected to the death and resurrection of Jesus. That hope is not about him giving you bigger houses and nicer cars and, and cooler things. It is all directly connected to you having an eternal perspective of what Jesus can do when his, something is dead. This is the power of what he can do. Right? It comes from this whole, the whole theology of hope in scripture comes from our theology in the resurrection. So here's what I'm trying to get you to understand is if you have a messed up theology on resurrection, you will always miss it having hope. You will never have the hope of the Bible. You will never have the hope that God wants you to live from as a Christian if you don't understand the resurrection fully. If you, if you begin to question, like when we're singing about miracles today, I, I would, my hope should increase because I know that what Jesus did by beating death, hell, and the grave, I have a hope that God can heal, that God can restore, that God can deliver, that God can, can, can provide that is where my hope comes from. It doesn't come from my own abilities and my strengths. Most of us have a hope in our spouse, a hope in our jobs, a hope in our boss, a hope in the shift of, of, of financial, you know, well-being. Like we have hopes in other things. And the reality is, is those things will always let you down, but they're directly connected to how you have faith and hope in God. So when they let you down, guess where you go to, to blame? We blame God for something that we have our hope in, something that is counter God. Right? So, so we, why should we be hopeful when our circumstances don't reveal a reason for hope? Like, why do we as believers keep hoping when things that we've been hoping for die? That is a question that we all have to answer right now to get our theology correct. Why do we keep hoping when, why do we keep hoping in our marriage? When every time the symptoms still remain the same. Why do we keep hoping when I, my body's sick and every day I wake up and I'm reminded of the sickness? Why do I keep hoping when I'm, I'm believing for that un, my, my family member to come to Christ or for restoration in that relationship? Why do I keep hoping? The same reason that whenever the disciples went up in and they begin to, to wait for three days... Now, I know yours is a little bit longer than three days, maybe. But the whole point is, is that our theology is around that there are moments where we may have to wait before we see a resurrection. Right? We may have to wait. We may have to endure. And this whole scripture is based on suffering. How many of you have ever suffered in something, suffered in, in waiting, suffered in, in, in different things? When me and Alicia were trying to have a baby, we were waiting and waiting and waiting what, there were moments where we became hopeless. Why? Because we, we were like, well, doctors can't do this. They, and what do you do? You have to go back to the fact of who Jesus is and what he is capable of if you believe him. And in the, and it's, it's amazing that 
as we, we endured that trial, we went through that suffering of every week, every month. It's like, I mean, we went through $15,000 in pregnancy tests. If she would just wait two weeks, we'd know, right? All you women, just wait a week. You'll, you'll know, promise you. I'm like, literally, she would take it, and then the next day, oh, guess what? Yeah, right? Like, it, guess what? In, three mo- in two months, if you don't have one, then guess what? We know you're pregnant. <laughs> Some starts pooching out, we'll know you're pregnant. But let's stop. We got to get a loan for pregnancy tests. Right? But, but isn't that a reality that when we are in the middle of waiting for something that we feel like God is wanting to give us, we can begin to lose hope. That's why the Bible says, do not grow weary in well-doing. Because hope is something that it's so easy to let go of. I mean, some of y'all right now are, are absolutely hopeless in certain situations. Like your faith in God is up, like, you know, you're, you're healthy or you're strong or your finances are great or whatever, but in certain situations, you are hopeless and you don't think God's going to come through. And here's my thing is this whole thing, it's this song that Carrie Job sings and she says, get your hopes up, get your, get your hopes up, that we have to begin to believe, come on, everybody singing, right? This is catchy, like that's what you need to tell yourself this week when you are feeling hopeless, get your hopes up, get your hopes up. Get your, get your hopes up. Right? Get your, get your hopes up. All right, cool. Like, this, we have to answer the questions, why are we hopeless? Why are you hopeless? Because you serve a God that defeated death, hell, and the grave. And so many times we forget that we are, we are in a faith that, that was, he, the man was dead for three days. We also serve a God who raised a man that was dead for four days. We also serve a God who came to a man who was blind and healed him. We also come to a, a man who touched a leper and the, leper, the leprosy left. We also come to a man that he was demon-possessed and Jesus speaks to the demon and it leaves. It is so easy to get clouded and weighed in on what your situation is. And when you do that, you forget about the God that you serve and what he's capable of doing. That all you have to do is have God walk into your situation and God can remove hopelessness. See, in these texts, in verse 8, it really begins to, to get heavy. He says, brothers and sisters, you need to know about the severe trials we're experiencing. I think that sometimes when we say yes to Jesus, we forget that we signed up for trials. That we signed up for things to not always go our way because we said yes to a God and we said, oh, you want to fight devil? Because that's what happens when you say yes to Jesus. And you, you got into a fight you didn't know maybe you were going to be in. And now you are dealing with severe trials and tribulation and wondering and all the things in this culture and they're resistant to what it is to be hopeful. How can we, this is the advantage all we have that the, the world doesn't. You can be hopeful when the world looks like it does. Because your eternal purpose and your eternal destination is not this world. For those of you who are hopeless, you need to grab a hold of who Jesus is and what he wants to do through your life so that you can have hope. Some of y'all need to get into this whole thing, hopeology, the study of hope, and find hope in your situations. 
that God can change the world, that God can change your world, that God can change situations and circumstances around you, right? Because he's a good God. And here's the deal is that you will have hope at the level that you believe who Jesus is. This is why many of us lose hope so quick because we forget who Jesus is. We forget the character and the nature that he is, that, that, that Jesus didn't give his life just to make your life easy on this earth. He gave his life so that you could have an eternal destination to spend eternity with him with. That is, that is the grand scheme of why I am hopeful. And then he goes on and he says this, he says, all of the hardships we passed through crushed us beyond our ability to endure. Wrap that around your theology. Wrap that around those people that tell you that when you serve Jesus, it's always show up at church and everything goes great. That, that will mess with your theology. The reality is, is that as they, is as they went through, we passed through, through, through crushed as beyond our ability to endure. I mean, that's, that's, some, that's some intense stuff. And we, and, and we were so completely overwhelmed that we were about to give up entirely. Here's the danger of when you lose hope is that you begin to give up in, on God and you begin to try to cling to things that you think will hold you up. You, you try to grab a hold of things that you think will secure you, will keep you afloat, will, will, will give you some a lifespan beyond. And so you begin to cling to this. This is what the enemy loves. The enemy loves when this type of thing happens because he's like, see, I knew you'd let go. I knew you didn't trust the Jesus you said you, you believed in. But here, I love that it, what it keeps on going into. And it's, it's, it's exposing. Some of y'all don't want suffering, but you need suffering to expose some things to you. We need some of these things, these trials, some of these different situations in our lives because it helps us realize what we're clinging to as hope. Here's the first thing I wanted really to set up. And this is the power of hope, is that hope is the comfort to your soul in suffering. That while you're in the middle of suffering, you can still have comfort. That while you're in the middle of believing for a God to come through, the Holy Spirit can comfort your soul while you may be physically going through something. While you may be emotionally going through something. That the Holy Spirit, while you're going through suffering, while you're wondering if that thing's going to come to pass, if you're wondering any of those types of things, that hope comes in to comfort you while you're going through suffering. It may, and it, and it, it may look different than what you thought it was going to look like. But here's the point is this, is that while they were going through it, he said they thought we were going to give up, but hope held them strong. So, so there's these two different types of hope. I would say there's a God hope, and then there's a worldly hope. We are trained up, majority of us are raised up in a worldly hope, not a God hope. Most of us, even as Christians, I don't care how young you are, you were raised up in a worldly hope. Well, just keep hoping. Just keep hoping that it's going to come. Hoping in what? Hoping in, I mean, if you had hope in, in our financial security in our country last year or two years ago, guess what happens? It shakes your hope. 
right? If you have hope in certain things, suffering will oftentimes expose those types of things in our lives where it's like, oh, wow, my hope is in worldly hope, not godly hope. Here's the difference. Godly hope is a belief that comes from a reality that Jesus defeated death. That is where I get my hope. As a person of our faith, the hope that I cling to in the midst of uncertainty is the reality that Jesus defeated death. That's godly hope. Godly hope is the reality that whenever I'm going through something and I feel dead, that three days later, Jesus was resurrected. That when my situation is grave, all of a sudden I know that if I will hold fast, that God will come through. Because he's in the middle of doing something. And sometimes while you're not getting what you thought, God is doing something on the inside of you. And he's allowing the root system of who you are to go deeper into the ground. Like Ephesians says. It says that my roots grew down into God's love. That some of us, when we go through suffering, we don't experience suffering at the level that we should because we experience the level of love from God that we need. Right? We allow this whole opportunity for God to reveal who, he's, who he is. And here's the, the worldly hope is this, is an expectation from any resource that can change your current situation. That's what worldly hope is. This is what my marriage looks like. I'm going to go to this relationship. This is what, this is what my finances looks like. I'm going to bail this and do this. That, that's you trying to find hope in something outside of God. And I am 100% susceptible to that. I am 100% susceptible to trying to find in certain situations. My, all of our ailments or our tendencies are going to be try to find what's the quickest. And let me just, let me just help you out. Worldly hope will always be the first to rescue you. It'll always be the one that throws out the, the little lifesaver, but it's the like the little one. And you put in, you, all of a sudden, you, it holds you for a second, and then you just kind of start gradually, lightly floating because it can't hold the weight. That's what happens with worldly weight, is it gets tossed out to you, and you're like, oh, thank you, world. And you cling to it, and then you start floating, and guess what? You eventually, it keeps you up for a moment, but you end up the same situation you're in. And then you, they throw out another one, and you're like, oh my gosh. And you basically skip from lifesaver to lifesaver to lifesaver to lifesaver until Jesus throws out what he needs to throw out to. And it may not change your situation immediately. In other words, you may still be in the water for a while, but it's holding you up. It's comforting while you're going through this hopeless situation. And this is what we as believers, we have to get to the place where we, all of our theology, all of our faith is built on this thing. It, the Bible says that the substance of, of faith, what does it come through? Hope. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That is what, that's, what, that's how you get faith is through hope. Right? You, you, have to be, you have to understand that if your faith is going to grow, your hope has to be in the right thing. See, we have, we have all, we've been influenced that hope mainly serves our natural and our material expectations. Hope serves me and makes, should make me happy. Hope should serve my natural situations and it should, it should serve my, my material expectations. Jesus did not promise that. Jesus promised you eternity. 
And that is his only, that is his only thing that he's required to make sure that, we, that when we've, we've given our lives to him and we find ourselves in heaven, that's, that's the only hope that we have. But we want to in this moment, and here's the thing is when, when that's our hope and that's not enough, what do we cling to? We cling to worldly hope. We cling to things that will give us some sense of comfort and safety in the now. I'm, I'm, I can't handle this pressure. I can't handle this. I'm going, I am crushed beyond my ability to endure. No, you're not. That's a lie. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. The enemy wants you to believe you can't handle anymore. Keep hoping and watch what you can do. Keep hoping and watch what God will do through you. See, hope, hopelessness is trying to strip you from the reality of what God wants to do. See, hope comforts you when you're weak and discouraged while you gain strength. That's what it does, is it holds you steady while you're gaining strength. You're laying out on that, on that lifesaver that Jesus threw out, and what you don't realize is that you're gaining strength to be able to go to the next thing that God's calling you to. He allows you to kind of sit in silence like we talked about last week and allow your body to be strengthened and be rejuvenated so that you can do what God's calling you to do in the next season. See, the hope we live from, it determines the way that we perceive suffering. Most of us, when we go through suffering, we look at God and say, God, how could you? How would you? Why would you? Suffering... See, suffering in this moment, look at, look at, do you never see in scripture where they were like, and we looked at God and we couldn't believe that he did this to us. You won't find that in anywhere where, where hope is mentioned, right? Because see, hope we live from, when we have hope, it allows us to perceive suffering differently. And some of y'all are in the middle of suffering and you are not perceiving it right. It is because your hope is in something other than Jesus, and this is where we spend time with the Lord and say, okay, where is my hope at? Is my hope in my job? Is my hope in my achievements and my success? Is my hope in how, I, how I'm, I'm viewed and I look? Is my hope in, in my relationships? Is my hopes in, in my bank account? Is my hopes in whether my car can get me from A to B? See, our hopes are oftentimes, are oftentimes skewed. And what I want to do is help you realize that hope is something that is so much bigger than right now. It is so much bigger than where you are currently in your life. That hope is something that gets you and pushes you into the destiny and the purpose that God has for your life. You know, we will consistently, you know, we will live consistently frustrated with God. Or, few, or, or we, you know, it's like, it's either one of the two. Either we are fueled by God through hope or we are frustrated at God. And, and I, I want us to not get to the place where we are blaming God for going through suffering, but that we were gaining more hope because of while we're going through suffering, God is with us. That is the reality of the theology that we live from is that Jesus, while he may have left, he never left us. Right? Peter, what does he do? He goes out and he goes back to fishing. Why? Because he lost hope. He said, this guy I've been serving for three and a half years told me he was the Messiah I'm going back to fishing. But what happens? Jesus finds him back in, the, in boats doing the same thing that he was doing. And he lets him know, hey, Peter. And what does Peter do? As soon as John, the prophet, recognizes him, Peter jumps out of the boat and gets to shore as fast as he can. Why? Because he got hope again. 
See, we, we have to be really careful. I would, have, I would have said probably Peter was full of hope. He thought he was until he lost him, and then he had to wait. And it didn't, it didn't turn out like he thought. And some of us, we have expectations that we, that we have connected to hope, and when those expectations don't come to pass, we look at God and say, God, you failed me. What if God loved you so much that he wanted to take you through a trial? He wanted to allow a try the, this trial to go through your life so that he could show you how strong and the character and the nature of who he is. Because there are things that Alicia and I have gone through individually and together as, as a married couple that our, our, our aspect or perception of who Jesus is has changed drastically because of what we clung to, realizing that we may go through this, but God's going to show himself faithful. That would have, the character and the nature of who Jesus is in our lives has expanded because of suffering, because of trials, and God has showed us that he's faithful. God has showed us that while you may be going through this, I've got something timed out that has to work out this way. You just keep hoping. And it's easy to look at the world and say, man, it is so hard to see a God that loves people while there are people dying of suicide, there are people murdering each other, there is pedophilia, there are all these different things that are happening in the world, it is hard to look out and have hope. That's the thing. We don't look to the world to get our hope. We look to the grave to realize that while it may be dark for a season, Jesus comes out of the tomb resurrected and alive. That is what we bank all of our hope on is in that. So either God is frustrating you right now, or he is fueling you. It is based on what your expectation of him to do, of what you're expecting him to do for you. And my heart breaks if you were frustrated at God, if you were disappointed at God, and you were mad at God. Because that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do, is because he wants you to lose hope in God. Because when you lose hope in God, you become hopeful in something else. Every one of you are hoping you cannot live in this world in this, and take breath and not have hope in something. You're hoping in something, and the enemy wants to get you to transfer hope from him to the world, to, to Satan. He wants you to transfer that hope. Because when you go from God, you begin to look at anything else that will give you something. And then when it doesn't work, you bounce to the next thing. And you just are doing whatever you can to try to find hope. In verse 9, this is where it gets, it gets real good. He says, it felt like we had death, a death sentence written upon our hearts. And we still feel it. Like, check that out. Like, he, went, he felt like it, but now they're saying we still feel it. In other words, it didn't go away. He said, to this day, it has taught us. Y'all hear me? It has taught us. What is the suffering? What is the pain in your life right now teaching you? Because it's doing one of two things. It is teaching you that the nature of God cannot be counted on, or it is teaching you that I'm going to hold on and trust God because God said he will come through. He was resurrected, and he beat death, hell, and the grave. And in those moments, it will either teach you to distrust him, that God is not loyal, that God is not trustworthy, or God is going to, I'm going to contend and watch Jesus come through my life. I thought I'd get a few amens there, but that's okay. That's all right. Because we need to get to the place where we believe that God is worthy to be trusted. 
that it taught us while I was going through suffering, while I was going through pain, it taught me to trust in Jesus still. This is why we keep hoping. We keep hoping, we keep believing for miracles, we keep believing for marriages to be restored, we keep believing for kids to come to know the Lord, we keep believing for, for, for emotional health, we keep hoping onto those things because we know in due season, that's why in death we know that death does not defeat. O oh, sting, O oh, death, where are you? Why? Because of the hope that we have in eternity. And when you fix your eyes on the natural, you will always lose sight of hope in the way that God is asking you to. So he goes on and he says this, he taught us to lose all faith in ourselves and to place all our trust or hope in the God who raises the dead. Man, here's the point of the second aspect of this is that suffering reveals what your hope is in. Suffering, it shows you and me what our hope's been in. Why, how does that happen? It happens based on your response. When you go through suffering, it exposes what your hope is in. It exposes to your, your heart, oh wow, I haven't been trusting God, I've been believing in myself the whole time. I've been believing that I could get out of this. I've been having hope in myself. I've been having hope in my spouse that I would get emotionally healthy by being married to somebody that is emotionally healthy. I, 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 would get, I got hope that I'd be closer to God because I married someone that was closer to God. Right? We have hope in so many other things and it is in suffering that we reveal this is what he exposed. What exposed it? He says, it has taught us to lose faith in ourselves. Some of y'all would bet on you over God. That's dangerous. Some of us, we have more hope in us and what we can do than what God can do through us. And what happens is that you become your own God. And there, there is a world, that's what happens. When you look at culture, the culture is full of a world of gods, of people who think they can do what they think they can do to get through life by themselves. We are the opposite. We are the people who say we can't do it in ourselves. We tried, we realized it, we believe in a Jesus that gave his life for us. He was beaten, death, resurrection, defeated death, hell in the grave. That's my king. That's my God. That's the one that I serve. That we have got, and it's our tendency to go back to what the world is saying. Hey, have your hope in this. Have your hope in, in this drug. Have your hope in this, in this alcohol. Have your hope in, in these relationships. Have your hope in, in this casino. Have your hope in this. And we begin to put our hopes in things that Jesus literally defeated. I mean, it's like Jesus is giving us a $100 bill, and we're settling for 50 cents over here, hoping that this will take care of what the debt is. Suffering simply reveals what our hope is in. And here's why we need that. Because we need, if our hope is not in Jesus, we need to get it in him. If your hope is in your success, if your hope is in your skill, if your hope is in something other than Jesus, you need a God encounter. You need a transformation so that you can count on God. My hope is not in my skill level to parent my, child, my kids. My hope level to be a, a husband and a father to my family is not in me. Every week, I, I know where I came from. 
my family was jacked up. And I know I picked up a lot of that jacked up tendencies. <laughs> yeah. Right? And for me to be like, oh, I'm fine. I can do this. No, no. I have hope in Jesus that he will teach me and show me how to do what I need to do as a husband and a father. But I can count on myself and be like, baby, this is how we're going to do it. And we'll find out real soon that I didn't have what it took. Right? See, see hope shifts to external or eternal, depending on what your hope's in. It does one of two things. And I was thinking about this, and we have this out at the house. How does the time fly so by so quick? Do y'all feel like this, like it goes by so quick? That's a good preacher. If it went by quick, you know that's a good preacher right there. All right? But at the house, you know, we have this, uh, we have a front porch, and on the, on the, on the front porch, there's this post, and there's this huge spider web. I mean, the spider's like literally like this big on the front right-hand porch. Me and Jay have been looking at it for weeks. We're like, look at that spider. Jay was like, what, do you think it would scare me if you put it on me? I was like, it'd scare me if I put it on you. I'm like, what are you doing, kid? I'm like, she was like, well, you just, I'm over that fear of spiders. I'm like, I'm not over the fear of that spider. I mean, this thing is gangly. I mean, it's dark brown. It's got these like sharp pointed I'm like, no, man, no way. But the point is, is this is what we do, is that we live like a spider web in hopes, is that we put it on everything we can in hopes that whatever comes by will catch it, and that's what I can have my hope in. I was like, we are spider web Christians. I'm like, we literally, we got it over here on this, we got it over here on this, we got it up there, we got it down there, we got it in that relationship, we got it in that substance, we got it in that thing, we got it in this, and we're like, oh, we'll fly by and stick to it, because that's what my hope's in today. Guess what? It's a moth. Oh, today it's a little beetle. Right? And we have our hopes in so many things, because we just, how many of y'all know there shouldn't be a spider web that we trust our lives in? We shouldn't have our lives connected to every single thing. That it should be the one thing, solely the cross and the grave of Jesus Christ. Literally, that is all that you will find in Scripture behind hope. The study of hope is, is your hope in the resurrection of Jesus? Period. We are not spiderweb Christians having our lives and everything, seeing what can we catch, what can benefit us this week. See, when we lose hope, we are most susceptible to the enemy. Think about it. When you, this is really what got the whole ball rolling in this sermon. Because I was, I was just thinking, I was like, you know what? The enemy loves when we lose hope because it gives him an opportunity to be what hope isn't. He, he crumbs in. He's like, oh, hey, 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 you need, you, you need some help. Because oftentimes the enemy will always come as help first, as hope first. I mean, what did he do with Adam and Eve? He came with something. He didn't come empty-handed. He came to offer them they could be their own God. God is robbing you of being gods that you should be. Yet, if we go back to theology, we realize that we cannot trust in ourselves. The enemy, the goal of the enemy is to get you to trust in you or to trust in something other than Jesus. He uses that as the opportunity to get you away from the very thing that can give you hope. And we buy into it so many times. What is your hope in right now? I mean, what is stuck to your spider web? 
what is that thing to attach to? If it isn't Jesus, it won't last long enough to give you hope. You know, hope is, isn't vertical. If it isn't, I'm, I'm totally butchered that. If hope isn't vertical, it quickly becomes horizontal. If hope isn't in Jesus, our natural tendencies is to look outward. What can give me hope? If I lose weight, if I look like this, if I get that, if I obtain this, if I get this status, if I win a chili competition. <laughs> right? Like what gives us hope? The reality is if it isn't vertical, it is soon as it becomes not vertical, it becomes horizontal. It becomes something in this world instead of something outside of this world. And your reward is what you hope in. My reward is in the eternal God, and he takes me where my hope is at. So check this out, this scripture, 2 Corinthians 4. So this is continuing on in the verbiage of this. This is what uh, is read in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10. It says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Y'all hear that? I just got that. I just now got that in that moment. So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So check this. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Because when we think about the death of Jesus, we think about the resurrection of Jesus, which always gives us hope. When we are pressed on every side and crushed and, per, not per, and when we're not crushed but perplexed but not in despair and persecuted. When all of those things are happening we are reminded by the death of Jesus in our lives that we can keep hoping. All right, I didn't even get to my third point y'all. Y'all just want the point? All right, the, first, the third point is this in verse 10. Let me read it real quick. It says he has rescued us from terrifying encounters. Oh so obviously Jesus does end up coming through. <laughs> Gee, look at that. He has rescued us from terrifying encounters with death. Yeah, right? And now we fasten our hopes on him to continue to deliver us from the death yet again. Y'all, good stuff. Third final point, hope builds faith for the future. My future is built on what I hope in. So some of us don't have very much of a future because we're hoping in the wrong thing and it's going to end quick. But here what, here's what this is. Like. I'm going to continue to hope because what I'm hoping in is going to, it's going to build my future. Y'all can stand as I close. I'm going to read a C.S. Lewis quote. This is what C.S. Lewis says. Christians that did the most for the present world were those who thought most of the next. See, when our hope is in the future, we can be hope to someone now. Are we hope to people? Or when people see us, do they say, oh, they're so hopeless. Hope should come from our future. 
Hope should come from that place. Realizing and knowing that this is what Jesus wants to do in our lives. Christians that did the most for the present were those who thought most of the next. I hope, I didn't realize that, but, but I really do hope that this week, that while the sermons have been tough and talking about culture and, and as we look into a world that seems like sometimes that they have everything that we want, knowing that if they don't have Jesus, they don't have what they really need. And my encouragement for you this week is to find what is your hope in. Is it in something other than Jesus? Is it in something other than the cross and the grave of Christ? And, and figure out, Lord, how can I transfer this hope that is in something totally opposite of you? And I can give this to you. Because the enemy wants you to live hopeless. And maybe there are some of you in here this morning and you just don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. The reality is, is Jesus will come through. I love at the very end of that, and sure enough, and Jesus delivered. Because Jesus will come through. He will come through in the way that he sees best for you. That's what I hang my hat on. That's what I build my theology around. And I would encourage you to stop trying to, to create and expect a God to do something that is counter what he really is intended doing for your life. My hope is in the fact that I trust in the nature and the character of who you are, God, so I will continue to believe you. If there's anybody in this room this this morning, I want to ask you, if you're hopeless, and I know that's a bold raise your hand thing, but I want to pray for you because that's why I built this sermon, which for those of you who may be hopeless in a situation, you don't see how the end can come. You don't see how God can come through on this. If that's you, I want to ask you to raise your hand real quick. Thank you for those hands. Come on. Father, I thank you that you see every hand raised. And God, behind the hand is a story. Behind the story is a situation or a circumstance. And God, I thank you that while there may be hopelessness, God, I thank you that you are the God of hope. That you are the one that we can cling to and stand beside knowing that you will come through. So God, I thank you right now for the hope right now, God, that we would grab a hold of hope and hope would build our faith to wait, to hold on, to contend, to be strong. So Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, right now for strengthening your sons and daughters. God, for giving them a perspective that they have failed to be able to see because they've lost hope. God, allow them to be re be able to reimagine the situation or the circumstance based on, God, the nature of who you are. God, give them hope to stay and remain steadfast and strong. Father, I thank you for your presence in this place right now. 
God, let us cling to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. We love you, God. We thank you for your presence. This morning, if there's anybody in this room and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray that you would realize that you will never have the life that you want without him. That you were designed by him, that you need him, that he will fulfill every aspect of your life. And this morning that you would say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to recommit my life and my heart to him. Maybe you've prayed the prayer in the past, but you've kind of lost your faith. You've got caught up in different streams of life. And you say, this morning I'm returning, I'm giving my life back to him. If that's you, either one of those, you say, that's me. I'm giving my life to Jesus for the first time. I'm recommitting my life and my heart to Jesus right now in this moment. If you would just slip your hand up and you can set it right back down, but I just want to know who you are so I can pray with you. You said, that's me. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are faithful, that we can count on you, that you love us and you are for us. In Jesus' name, amen.